Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. So, how did you do with the prodigal God? I think that's what Luke sets up at the start of this passage. Sinful folks are eagerly listening to Jesus. Religious folks are griping and judging. And Jesus addresses them all. In the verses that today's reading skipped, Jesus tells of a shepherd finding a lost sheep and celebrating, and of a woman seeking a lost coin and celebrating. And then there was a man who had two sons. Now the crowd would have instantly thought of Adam, Abraham, Isaac. Luke's culture is full of stories about a man who had two sons. And as is often the case in those stories, the younger son does the unthinkable. This son asks for his inheritance way ahead of time. And then the father does the unthinkable. That's an unusual twist by granting the request. And within days, his younger son heads off to a faraway land where he squanders all that he has. Luke uses a word found nowhere else in the Bible. It connotes excess and general opposite of rightness. And then, wouldn't you know it, famine strikes, and this wild youth finds himself in such dire straits that he ends up working with pigs. That would have been a laugh line because in Luke's culture that was unacceptable. And even then, the boy is so hungry that he covets the pig's food, and nobody helps him. He is that far from home. There at rock bottom, a place that you may or may not know, the boy comes to himself, comes to his senses, realizing that even his father's hired hands get to eat. And so he says to himself, I'm going back and I'll just say, Dad, I'm not worthy to dwell in your house or eat at your table or be called your child, but please just let me work here. Now, you can read that as repentant, or you can read it as conniving. Famed homiletician David Buttrick reads it as, I'll go to daddy and sound religious. But the story does not actually judge his intent. So the son retraces his steps toward home, and before he even reaches the mailbox, his father has spotted him, which sure makes you think that he's been watching for him. And here comes his father, barreling down the path to meet that son, maybe a head taller now, to gather him into his suddenly strong-again arms. And the son begins that rehearsed speech, Father, imagine how that word landed on the father's ear. Father, I am not worthy. But the father shushes him, calling for the softest clothes, for shoes, even jewelry, calling for the best food, calling for rejoicing. 
It's classic storytelling, beginning, middle, end, with what happens last being most important. The lost is found. Let's rejoice. To a parent, that ending feels familiar, that extravagant joy at the sudden presence of a child. And I think not just of end of semester college homecoming, I'm looking at you, Justin, and that is, that is profound, but this is more singularly profound. I think of when each of our boys was born, older brother, younger brother, each finally entering the reality that Clark and I had lived without him. And what did we do? <laughs> we wrapped him, not in a robe, but in a blanket, the best, the softest. We counted fingers that may one day wear a ring. We marveled at feet too tiny for shoes. And I offered the, my child the food that would strengthen him and welcome him and bind us together. And oh, the celebration of phone calls and photographs. Think of the covenant folks who've recently rejoiced over Camden's arrival or over Avery Ray's arrival even over the perfect rescue pet. And this golden moment of foundness is our last glimpse of the younger son. But it's not the last moment of the story that Jesus is telling. Remember, the story began, there was a man who had two sons. Well, what about the other son? We've heard nothing of him. It's like he's been forgotten. I mean, our bulletin cover artwork includes a pig, but not the older son. Only now do we turn to his story. It starts by stating that he's out in the field, in other words, hard at work. He may have a robe and a ring and a new pair of shoes, but he's not wearing them. He's working in the field. And then, much like the younger brother, he approaches the house and is met by something before he even reaches the door. What greets him is the sound of a party, and he asks what's going on and is told of his brother's return and his father's joy. And something snaps. Indignation, jealousy, self-righteousness perhaps. What? The one who caused such anguish is now accorded such honor? Seething, the older brother refuses to join the party. The father immediately comes to him, much as the father earlier had hurried out to the younger son. The father implores his firstborn to come and share the festivities, and the older son's bitterness floods forth. How dare he treat you like that, wasting your money and dragging your name through the gutter and then traipsing back here like nothing happened. Now what about me? I've been here working like a dog and you've never given me anything. And the father says, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate. It's beautiful, and it's, it's admirable, and it's true. And I wonder if you, too, like me, are wishing that the father had just said, you know, you've got a point. Is it too much to ask that those of us who show up, instead of acting out, those of us who more or less follow the rules and carry the load, those of us who volunteer and pledge and then give even more. Is it too much to ask that we get a little special attention? 
especially from the prodigal God? Reminds me of a woman I know who says that her most important high school memory is not learning the fight song or performing in the talent show, not being on the principal's list or going to the prom, not learning how to drive or getting into college. It's coming home on the school bus one afternoon, walking in the front door and seeing a bouquet of roses on the dining table. And her mom beamed at her and said, look what was delivered for you. The woman admits that as she opened the florist's little card, she was mentally inventorying the boys that she had a crush on. But the note read, some people are so nice to have around that their thoughtfulness may go unnoticed. These flowers are but a momentary correction. Love, mom and dad. (sighs) Decades later, she still has that little florist's card. I wish the older son had something like that. Maybe not roses, but just the father's acknowledgement. You've got a point. I wish Jesus had seen fit to include that in the story, or Luke could totally have added it as an editorial comment, because it's true. Big Brother's got a point. But there's a more important point. Jesus is talking to everyone to those who feel bad because they have wasted and because those who feel bad because they have feel slighted. Jesus is talking to everyone, sinful folks who are hungry to hear this and righteous folks who really may not want to. He's telling this story to all of us sinners, all of us who've squandered gifts and graces telling us that no matter what we do, that can never put us beyond the reach of redemption because we cannot be so bad as to defeat God's goodness. And Jesus is telling this story to all us dutiful folks who show up at an inconvenient hour on Sunday morning, who are sometimes out in a field so busy working hard that we don't notice how we're letting ourselves get eaten alive by judgmentalness. Jesus is telling us that God's love and joy are not finite. God's love and joy are prodigious. There's more than enough for all. I know the younger brother surely felt that. And maybe at some point the big brother does too. After all, while Jesus provided the beginning, middle, and end of the younger brother's story, for the older brother, the end is not written. Jesus stops with the father and the older son standing out in the yard while the party continues on the other side of an open door. So maybe the father eventually does say, you've got a point, and I'm grateful that you'll talk to me about it because I have loved you since the day you were born. My house is your home. My table is your feast. My children are your family. And now that I've found you, I'm not gonna leave you out here alone. If we have been reckless, selfish, wasteful, wanton, and I suspect we all in some way have been reckless, selfish, wasteful, wanton, If so, the prodigal God rejoices 
when we turn away from that folly and begin to follow, follow the Lent-like journey home. Or if we've been upstanding and hardworking, uptight and hard-hearted, I suspect we all in some way have been. If so, the prodigal God will hold us close even as we rail against all the perceived slights and may even whisper, you've got a point, if it seems like that would help. The prodigal God is prodigious in love, in joy, in grace, amazing grace. So we might as well abandon our nonsense, whatever it is, and join the celebration. We are invited in by the God who is impressively, extremely, wondrously great. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.